This is Mackie Gab episode 910 from Monday, January 17th, 2022. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the one after 909, Mackie Gab 910. The show where you send in your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. We share them all. We try to answer your questions. We share your tips. We share some of our own tips if we come up with some. We share some of our own cool stuff found in addition to yours. Again, if we come up with some. The goal is that we structure an agenda such that each of us has the opportunity and succeeds at learning at least five new things. Every single time we get together together. Sponsors for this episode include BBEdit at barebones.com, truebill.com slash MGG, where you can sign up and save thousands per year, like many of us, and Mac Updater at corco.io slash MGG, where MGGQ1, the code MGGQ1, saves you 10% on your order. We will talk more about each and every one of those shortly here, but now here, or for now, not but now, and now here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How are we doing today, Mr. John F. Braun? Nah. Just nah? Everything's, everything's broken. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> We're not broken. We're working around here. Mm-hmm. All right. That's good. All right. Um, yeah, all right. Let's get to some quick, quick tips, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Tony has the first one for us today. Well, see, we like to fix broken things here, so maybe we can fix some of your broken things. I don't know. We can fix somebody's broken things. But Tony's quick tip is, uh, he says, I just read that you can hold a call on your iPhone by holding down the mute button. He says, I'm not sure what the advantage is. If I don't want the person to hear me, mute does that. Uh, if you want to add someone, you don't need to put the first person on hold. So why? For, well, first of all, great quick tip. I had no idea that this was a possibility. Mm-hmm. And Tony's right, obviously, that, the, you know, if you just mute someone, they can't hear you. But putting them on hold keeps you from hearing them. And I don't know about you folks, but if I've got, you know, if I'm trying to have a sidebar conversation, hearing noise from somewhere else, you know, can be distracting. So especially if you're on a conference call or something and it's like, oh, I need to have a sidebar, you put it on hold. It mutes both directions. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, nice find there, Tony. I hadn't. I, you know, this is the beauty of the quick tips. I had no idea that this was even a thing. And yet there's Tony helping us out. Yeah. Did you know about that one, John? No. There we are learning new things every day, every day. All right. Uh, I learned a new thing. I mentioned in the last episode that we uh, upgraded to the latest model of Apple TV. It's not necessarily new, but it's new to us. And I just set it up as an Apple TV uh, because it's logged into my iCloud account, it inherited all of the apps and and layout and all that stuff that I had on my prior Apple TV. So that was great. And then the other night, there we are watching the Bruins game on a, a mild time shift. And the uh, the we were watching in the channels app, but using the Apple TV. And up there in the upper right corner, it says, uh, will Brad Marchand score a hat trick tonight? Which tells me that I'm about to see Brad Marchand score two goals because they wouldn't ask if he's going to score a hat trick unless he already has two. 
Thankfully, that happened uh, in the course of about, well, for us, it was about five minutes later that in a 15-second period, Brad Marchand scored two goals. And then the spoils for that particular episode were over. But I wanted to figure out how to solve this problem. And so I went into the settings on my Apple TV, uh, the settings app. You go to apps, TV, and then there's all kinds of things that you can turn off. But the two that I turned off, John, were uh, show sports scores, which was on. And I had turned it off on my prior Apple TV. So that setting did not carry over. And then there's another one called uh, Exciting Games. And I'm thinking the Exciting Games one is what uh, got me to that particular point with uh, with this. So so by having both of those off um, the following night, the TV did not tell us that. Uh, do we think David Pasternak's going to score a hat trick because he scored two goals early on in the game? And uh, unfortunately, though, it was my phone that told me that the, the next night. And so I had to go in and turn off notifications on my phone for the TV app. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's something to do. Like all locked down and everything. So, you know, but there you go. So that's uh, that's something I learned from the Apple TV app. Uh, from the Apple TV. It taught me the hard way. <laughs> kind of like that Frank's Apple record. Nice. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Uh, you want to take us to Michael? Uh, yes. So uh, Michael says, heard you mention David's quick tip for creating reminders from emails in Mackie Gap 908. And was expecting it to be the Siri method I already knew for iOS and iPadOS. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised to learn there was a way to do the same thing on macOS. The Siri method I discovered a couple of years ago allows you to create a reminder linked to an email message or even a mailbox to use Simply have your desired message or mailbox open on screen in iOS or iPadOS and say, hey, Siri, remind me about this. The reminder will show up as created and will look like a regular reminder. But if you go to it in the reminders app, it will have a thumbnail for the mail app and tapping this will take you to the message or mailbox. There's several other Apple stock apps that allow you to create linked reminders despite there being no reminders option on the share sheet. Um, or no share sheet at all. These include notes, contacts, voicemail in the phone app, and a few others I ironically can't remember right now. <laughs> Fascinating. Nice. Yeah. Oh, and I got I got a Siri one too, Dave. So um so I was out and about yesterday breaking my car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um and I realized um, when I got to the store, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have my phone with me. Um, unfortunately, I had my wallet with me so I could, you know, buy the things that I wanted to buy sure. when I was out and about. But when I got home, yes, in fact, I had left my phone um, next to my computer. Yep. And I'm like, hey, let me try this. And so here's what I did, Dave. Um, I said, hey, Siri, where's my iPhone? And she sent uh, a reminder to my phone. It started beeping. Oh, not a reminder. Like, uh, no, a notification, you mean? Yes. Ah. Yeah, I got a notification on the phone. And what did you say this to? Was it to Siri on your I Mac? I sent it to the HomePod. No, ah, right. The... You have a HomePod. Right, right, right. Okay. I, that, that makes perfect sense. Fascinating. Oh, that's pretty cool. 
So it just started. Yeah, I suppose like, it would. No, it sounded sounds similar to what would happen if you have a if you had like an Apple Watch and said like ping my iPhone or something. Did it mm-hmm. start making that submarine ping sound? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's the equivalent of using the Find My app. Right. Right. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Ah. All right. That's pretty cool. Another another unique to HomePod uh, application. I like it. All right. Mm. All right. Fun. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. When uh, Warren in the chat room at live.macgeekab.com reminds us that if we're going to uh, talk about Siri commands, just say Siri instead of preceding it with the word hey, such that uh, we don't ah. accidentally set off our friends' home pods and such. Mm. So <laughs> well, that's good. It depends. I guess your voice would have to be relatively close to the voice of the right. Home pods are, are voice specific for that stuff, I believe. Like, I think, uh, like, if, uh, you know, if we had one in our house, like, we could link it so that when I ask it a question, it pulls from my data and Lisa asks a question, it pulls from her data. That, honestly, I'm, I'm asking that. I'm not, I, I'm, I think that's how it works. But, uh, but I, as I don't use HomePods regularly, I'm, I'm just asking. But I, I think that's how it works. Yeah. Ah, so Warren in the chat room follows up with, and says, I don't know who's speaking. Who is this? Very cool. Okay, so yes. All right. Well, that's uh, that's Mr. Jones. Yeah, I'm the only one here, so. Right, right. I only have one user. Yeah. I could set up another one. No. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to disguise Change your voice. Change my voice. That's right. <laughs> you have to, for those days when you want to speak with, like, you know, a, an affectation to your voice or something, that might be a good thing. So. All right. Well, we're going to just speak with our regular voices today. It's the best we can do, folks. Dale has a quick tip for us. Uh, he says another one of those tips, which is obvious once you know it, but not obvious if you don't. Yep, I agree. He says, I have a recurring workflow, which involves updating a note, then making a PDF of this note in its latest state. Uh, I use the command PP shortcut to create the PDF that Pilot Pete brought to us. So that's by adding a, uh, a menu item or a, a shortcut to the menu item in the print dialog so that by for him, I assume command PP pre triggers the save of the PDF so he doesn't need to leave the keyboard. Uh, he says, and then uh, I use command S to save it as I am essentially overwriting an existing PDF, which is what I want. I get an on screen message that says the file already exists and asks me if I want to replace it. I have the choice of clicking cancel or replace. It seems super inefficient to spoil what has been up to that point a keyboard-only workflow by having to reach for the mouse or trackpad and navigate to the Replace button. I discovered, though, by a bit of searching, that I can keep the workflow as an all-keyboard. The shortcut Command-R has the same effect as clicking Replace on that dialog. Anything to be more efficient. Thank you, Dale. Yeah, so anytime you see one of those dialogs up that has, you know, buttons to click, cancel, replace, okay, things like, well, okay is usually uh, the enter key or the default is usually the enter key. And that's that's very um, clearly highlighted. But you can choose other options generally by hitting command and the first letter of whatever that option is. So for him, it's command R. But uh, in other dialogues, it can be, you know, command D for don't save and things like that. So definitely try that uh, when you're, you know, on the keyboard and you see a dialogue pop up before you jump to your mouse. See if you can train your brain to uh, try the the things in the uh, 
you know, the first command in the first letter. So it's a great tip. I, I use it all the time. And how, how many years have we, we've been doing quick tips on this show? It never dawned on me to share it. So that's the beauty of the quick tip is the things that are so automatic. You don't even think about them until somebody looks over your shoulder and says, whoa, what magic is that? Now, I believe escape will usually select the cancel option. Right. You are totally right. Yes. I, my fingers know it. And now that you say it out loud, I agree with you. Yep. And I don't know if this is still the case, but I thought tab would rotate through the buttons. Maybe the- um, you know, I think I think you're right. Um, I also think there's an accessibility uh, thing that happens there. And maybe somebody in the chat room can help me with this. Maybe it's in settings keyboard. But there's the, gosh, there's a, um, there, there's an option. It's like use all, use keyboard navigation to move focus between controls. Yes. So it's in system preferences, keyboard shortcuts. At the bottom of that screen is a checkbox that says what I just said. Use keyboard navigation to move focus between controls. And the explanation is press the tab key to move focus forward and shift tab to move focus backwards so yes you're right it will do that as long as that checkbox is on so system preferences keyboard shortcuts look at all the quick tips we're getting here i love it i love it it's good stuff more on that john no we're good okay uh pensacola craig has a fun one for us he says uh i recall in one of the uh last mggs of 2021 there was a discussion about the Apple keyboards and how flat they were, especially for folks who prefer a bit of elevation like Logitech and others have done with their flip up posts on the bottom. I love the Apple keyboard feel and touch and have ever since its release. So I made a very simple hack that completely solves the problem as I also perverse prefer some uh, keyboard elevation. The hack is to use the small rubber bumpers that are typically used for picture frames and cabinet doors, those things to keep things from slamming and all that The ones that, you know, stick a little bit when it's super humid out if you've got wooden cabinets. Yep. He says they're small, adhesive, very easy to take on and off, very stable. And since they're rubber, they provide a little bit of friction to avoid the keyboard from sliding around. Place two or three along the rear edge, uh, two towards the corners and then one or two in the middle, even four of them. Uh, and he sends us some picture about it, pick pics about it and, uh, and shows that what a smart idea. I love, love, love this idea. And he says a bonus as a pro tip. If you prefer higher keyboard elevation, you can use a combination of the felt style of the same thing and then place it uh, and put the rubber one on top so that you build like a little bit of a sandwich to uh, to build it up even more. Awesome. Thank you. Pensacola Craig. I like that one. It's good. These tips, man. I like the little hacks. Wonderful stuff. Um, I had a problem recently, John, and it's a problem I've had over and over again. I use a few, not very many, but a few groups in my contacts. And uh, one of them is for one of the bands I play in. We wind up emailing each other. We use Slack mostly for our band communication, but but we do email some things occasionally. And so it's really nice to have a group for the band. And, uh, and you know, I can just type the name of the band, which happens to be Fling in this case, and then it just expands out all the addresses that I want to choose. And uh, we replaced our, our bass player. And so... I needed to figure out how to uh, to edit the group. And I went into the group 
and I saw the old bass player and I right clicked on him and I saw, well, delete card. I don't want to do that. I, I just want to remove it from the disc, from the group. Not, I don't want to delete the, the, the guy is still stay in touch with him. We're still very friendly. He's just not playing in that band anymore. And, uh, and so I hunted and hunted and it turns out the way that you do it is either with the delete key on your keyboard, or if you go to the edit menu, uh, remove from group is there. Uh, so contextual menus do not have this option, which just seemed odd to me. I'm always used to contextual menus having everything that I would want to do. But in this case, no. And even the delete key, which does the right thing or the, the thing, the intended thing for me, it removes it from the group is not mapped to remove from group in the edit menu. So I don't know what Apple's up to on this. There's a knowledge base article that explains how to do this, uh, which is how I finally figured it out. But uh, and it, it its example is to uh, press the delete key on your keyboard, not even use the menu. So, you know, good for Apple. Somebody there knows what's going on, at least part of it. The other cool thing about groups, John, mm-hmm. and this I love once you've created a group of people uh, and this is super handy for people where you have multiple email addresses for the same person. Go to the highlight the group, go to the edit menu and go to edit distribution list. There you'll see all of your groups. Click on the one that you want, and you'll see one bolded email address for each of the people uh, in the group. You can change that bolded email address to be the uh, address of your choosing so that when you send to the group, it will choose that email specifically and not just the first one that it comes up with for that person, which is super handy. Like, you know, if I've got somebody's work address and they're like, no, look, keep the inane banter with about the band amongst the band. Like, keep that to my private email. I don't need my boss seeing the crazy things that we're talking about, uh, which is which is good, you know, because most people don't need to read about Ortolan and things like that. There's crazy topics. I didn't even know about that thing until recently. We watched that show Succession. You watch that show, John? No. It's on HBO. Fantastic show. Really, really well done. Uh, just great characters and great writing and, yeah, great everything. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's not an Apple TV show, but, you know, there you go. All right. Uh, there's all kinds of things to talk about. We got a bunch of questions. We got some follow-ups. We might even have, like, a little bit of some, a little bit of a surprise for you a little later. So, uh, but uh, next up, I want to talk about our two sponsors, our three sponsors. Oh, oh wonderful. If, uh, if that's okay with you, Mr. Braun. All right. All right. Our first sponsor is one of my favorite apps. I use it all the time. I have it on all of my Macs, and that is Mac Updater from Core Code. We've talked about this on the show basically since it was released. It is something that I love. So Mac Updater scans and displays all of your installed software, and they have version information for over 60,000 apps and growing. And the 6,000 most popular apps and growing can be updated directly inside Mac Updater with a single click. So not only does it tell you that there's an update, but it'll just do the update for you if you tell it to, which is amazing. Mac Updater is a one-time purchase. There are no subscriptions. And we've got a coupon code for you. MGGQ1 will save you on Mac Updater. Make sure you visit corecode.io slash MGG and use that code MGGQ1. To save on Mac Updater, also in version 2.1, they've added support for even more software types now, including Adobe plugins. It's even more flexible. 
They've added integration with Alfred for another way to trigger app updates. I love the automation. And by popular demand, now users can switch between classic and Big Sur icon styles. So go check it out. Corecode.io slash MGG. And then make sure you use MGGQ1 to get your discount on Mac Updater. Our thanks to Corecode and Mac Updater for sponsoring this episode. How many free trial subscriptions end up costing you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars long after you've forgotten to cancel? Well, now with our sponsor, Truebill, you can fight back against scammy subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, you don't want, or you simply forgot about. And on average, people save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I've been using Truebill for a couple of months now since they came on board as a sponsor. And it's great. All of the things that I've been telling you, I've done. It works. On top of that, Truebill is also monitoring how much I spend and telling me on a weekly basis, hey, here's what you spent last week. This is more than the week before, less than the week before. It just keeps an eye on things, which is really handy. I love this thing, and I think you're going to love it, too. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash MGG. Go right now, Truebill.com slash MGG. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Truebill for sponsoring this episode. Next up is BB Edit from Barebones at Barebones.com. You know that this is one of my favorite apps. It's an app that I leave running. I have running on all of my Macs at all times because I can do so many different things with it. I, I use it certainly for all the programming that I do because it's smart. It knows what language you're in. And then it starts highlighting the text just visibly, not on the server, on the disk, but just in front of you. It adds some slight coloring and and formatting so that your code is easier for you to read. And they're constantly adding new language support. Like recently, they just added R, Go, Rust, Tomo, Arduino and Pixar's uh, USDA, the Universal Scene Description Language. They've got all kinds of things. In fact, they revamped the notes system inside BB Edit by adding a notes system. Many of us were using it for notes for years by just creating a bunch of untitled text documents. Well, those tend to get unruly. And now you can create notes from any convenient source, the clipboard, etc. And notes are automatically named and managed by the app. So you don't just have untitled, untitled, untitled all the way down. You've got your notes all put into one spot. Of course, BB Edit has a generous eval mode. You get a 30-day eval of full functionality to try out the app. And if you've tried it out in the past, well, good news. BB Edit 14 resets that for you so you get a fresh eval period no matter whether you've used it in the past or not. And then they've got upgrade pricing for existing BB Edit customers. Go check it out. Barebones.com slash stores where you're going to see all of that. And our thanks to Barebones and BB Edit for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, you want to uh, take us to listener Roy with a question, huh? Uh, yes. Sweet. Roy has a question. Do you know if there is a way to make a shortcut to turn on and off silence unknown callers on the iPhone 11 Pro? Um, yes. I whipped out the Google Foo, Dave. Okay. And I found something on Reddit. Ah, nice. Uh, and uh, the article both uh, has a link to the shortcut, which you can download, or you, 
it gives you the uh, the source code, if you will, which uh, I thought was pretty neat. So you could do it either way, but I confirmed it worked. It, I don't know how you, I mean, you have to go into the shortcuts app to run the shortcut. No, you could do it with Siri. I mean, you can trigger shortcuts with a oh. zillion different things. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this particular one, they, they you know, they, they call it uh, silence unknown callers. They call it SUC for the shortcut. And so, mm-hmm. um, so they, it's just, you know, Siri preceded by the word, hey, of course, uh, Siri, mm-hmm. SUC, and then boom, it does it. Ah, it, right. it looks like I looked at the source for it. So what it's doing is it's filling a URL field with a path, which is, uh, and you don't have to write this down because it's right there in the thing, but just to talk it through. It starts with prefs colon. And so what this is, as opposed to many URLs, which start with, you know, like HTTP or other things, right? HTTPS or FTP or mail to or right, whatever. It's like that, except it's prefs colon, which tells iOS to go and adjust a preference setting. So this is one of those things that's sort of a, a hack, if you will. Shortcuts doesn't have a way of impacting that preference, but that URL is available. And so the, the rest of it, it talks about the specific preference and it says the root is phone and the path is silence underscore calls. And so it populates the URL with that. And then the shortcut simply tells it to open that URL toggling that particular preference. So you have to know that you're turning it one way or the other, I think, uh, because I'm not sure I, I haven't tested it, so I, I I would assume it's just toggling it, but I could be wrong about that. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's I I didn't, you know, when when shortcuts was workflow, this was how everything was done because there was far less integration, you know, other than Apple uh, Apple's own what you call it, uh, you know, frameworks or whatever, uh, open the API, so everything was done with URLs behind the scenes. And I'd forgotten about this way of interacting with things now that it's called shortcuts. But uh, yeah, very nice find, man. I like that. That's good. It's good. It's good. Fun. Fun, fun. More on that? Or is it time to move to listener David? Uh, uh, Let's. uh, You mean Andy? No, I was going to go to listener David next. Oh yeah, okay. As per as per the the handcrafted agenda, David mm-hmm. uh, David is probably going to be a geek challenge, and uh, but we'll see. Uh, he says, I mean, I have an answer, but I I want to know your answer too. So remember, feedback at macgeekab dot com is where you're going to send those answers for this one, right? Feedback at macgeekab dot com. I said feedback at macgeekab dot com. So here's what David sent to that address. And he says, uh, here's the deal. My wife and I would like to share or save our pictures as well as manage them on our iPhones. What would be the best way to do this? Ideally, we would have two separate folders that we can both access. Backing up our photos would also be a plus. All right. So this is one of those holy grails that we've been after for quite a while here on the show because iCloud Photo Library is awesome for you. But it's not that great if you want to share with somebody else or if somebody else wants to share with you. Yes, you can share albums. But in it, the idea of sharing the entire library, even just for people to see, doesn't happen. Or even choosing things to automatically share doesn't happen. And I get that there's potential privacy concerns and all of that. But, you know, in the case of David and his wife, they're, they're good with that, Right. But she's probably got more on him than whatever would show up in the pictures anyway. So it's all fine. Uh, 
so, you know, I don't, I have yet to find a workable solution for this that only involves Apple technology. The one solution I have found is Synology. And theirs has evolved over the years with DSM-7. They are up to uh, what they're calling Synology Photos, which is very similar to the way, you know, Apple Photos and Google Photos and on all of those sort of work. It's just an automatic thing in the background and, uh, uh, you know, and then it it does its magic and can find butterflies and cats and, you know, all the important things in our photos as well as faces and all that thing. But uh, but Synology Photos does allow for more flexibility on this and therefore, yeah. You, you know, you, you could share libraries amongst uh, family members or friends or whatever you, you know, whatever, whatever you've got. So that that's my answer. But but that requires having a Synology disk station and wanting to use that solution. Uh, it turns out listener David does have one. So like problem solved for him. But I'm curious how the problem is solved for all of you. And that's why I asked you to email feedback at MacGeekab.com, because this really is a holy grail thing. And if there's a better way you know, a lot of us stop searching when we find a way. That's certainly true of me. I, well, I mean, it's just, you know, it's human nature. But I'm curious about the best way here, or at least alternative ways. So send them in to us. Um, I, I, I'm guessing this isn't a problem you've even sought to solve. Is that right, John? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get there. What do you do with your photos? Because Because sometimes you know, an answer might trigger something. So it, like where do you just store your photos in iCloud photo library or yes. Okay. And no online services or Synology or Google photos, uh, or any of that. Uh, Flickr, but I haven't used that in ages. Is that even still a thing? I guess it is. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, think it integrated, uh, and at the time I was using aperture and you could, uh, manage, Right, 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 right. Is Flickr stuff in Aperture? Flickr is still available for free to a degree, right? Yeah, a while ago they um yeah. So I don't take as many pictures as I used to. I sure. mostly use Instagram now. Right. Um. Right. All right. So, uh, so yeah, I'm all all in with iCloud. Yeah, but I wonder if Instagram. I wonder if Flickr is is the is an it, an option here like would that be a good platform to use for two people that want to share right like i mean i don't know i like that that's that's why that's why i like to have these conversations so let's see Flickr shared libraries i don't know it's kind of a thing Flickr and libraries Flickr. no nobody seems to talk about it well maybe one of you will know I don't want to be just, you know, randomly Google, idly Googling here while we're trying to, you know, do a show because it's time to do a show. All right. What do we have next here? You uh, you mentioned Andy. You want to take us to Andy? Let us go to Andy. All right, Andy. Um, Andy from the UK. Mm. Um, all right. I have an odd issue here after updating to Mac OS 12.1 a couple of days ago with my 2021 M1 MacBook Air and Bose QC35II headphones. Okay. Um, I noticed that my headphones connected by a Bluetooth were quieter in the right ear when listening to one of my playlists on Spotify. Only quieter, not missing sound altogether. Initially, I thought it was my own ears, then Spotify, then maybe my beloved headphones but after connecting them to my iphone ipad tv etc the sound was great 
And more importantly, my hearing was good too. Um, what I've tested, I tested AirPods and Beats 10 headphones on the Mac and they both sound and work well, both Apple headphones. I've removed the QC35s from Bluetooth, switched Bluetooth off, restarted the Mac, gone through the process of reconnecting them. Also via the Bose app, I checked for any available updates, enabled, disabled, noise canceling, etc., and still got the same issue. Notice not with just with Spotify, I tested with Apple Music, YouTube, BBC iPlayer, etc. While typing this email, I also thought I could test using the aux cable that came with the headphones, so I disabled Bluetooth and with the aux cable tested again. They work great with an equal amount of sound in both ears. So it seems like a Bluetooth OS 12.1 issue. Have you guys heard anything similar? Have any advice on what to do next? Um, wow. I have some advice. Okay. Um, uh, reset the Bluetooth module. Yeah. I, I mean, re- the f- restarting the, funny- the Mac does that or, or, or no. Does like, I, I thought, I thought restarting a Mac would reset the Bluetooth module. Oh, um, right. I mean, right. right? Mm-hmm. Cause because what you're doing to reset it is, uh, killing the Bluetooth D process, mm-hmm. right? We have to do that in Monterey. Now we can't, uh, cause there's no, like, there's no way to do that. Like the, the old way was, there was some like hold down enough keys and the Bluetooth menu would show it to you or something. Right. And they took uh, that away. Uh, yeah. And, and I was looking for that. Yeah. And then I, and then, uh, and I'm like, where to go? This used to be here. Yeah, yeah option yeah. shift on the Bluetooth menu in pre um, Big Sur um, isn't. Uh, they changed the menu. Yeah, they took stuff out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. So I sent him an article I found, which yeah, basically tells you how to do it from the terminal. There's a couple of different ways to do it, I think. So yeah if That's he re- if he restarted the mac that, i mean i I love the idea of of uh, flushing Bluetooth and restarting it i I think he did that but but it's a great one and it yeah it's just a you have to type pseudo p kill bluetooth d at the at the terminal we'll put a link i guess you've got a link to an article in there that doesn't we'll put the mm-hmm. the command in there too just so you you have it all but um yeah I'm trying to think you know clearly something has to dis- i'm guessing. And I, I think this is in line with what Andy is speculating too, that the Mac is telling the headphones to only sound audio in, you know, or or to to skew the audio to one ear versus the other. I, I don't think it's mm-hmm. the headphones doing it clearly, right? Other devices don't do this, and I I don't think it's the entirety of the Mac because other headphones work fine. So it's something specific, but he removed these headphones and re-added them, and he's still having this balance issue. I mean, it's almost like the balance slider is too far to one side, but he can't find the balance slider. So I start thinking about things that can impact that, and the first one that comes to mind is, you know, like a third-party app like SoundSource or Boom, right? Those apps that impact the way sound gets to your speakers and you may have at some point decided, Oh yeah, you know, I like boom or I like what sound source does. And and so you installed that and specifically told it to treat those headphones differently. And maybe that's there. So I, you know, I mean, we don't know what, what uh, Andy has on his computer, but that's kind of where it, like, I can't think of anything in the OS that would be device specific for balance. 
So I'm guessing it's got to be something third party, but you know, it's a guess. What do I know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's, but it's, it's interesting, right? So feedback at MacGeekab.com. If you have, uh, if you have your own thoughts on this, I, I like these kind of troubleshooting things. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All righty. Listener Laura has, uh, has sort of a a general question for us about something very specific. Laura says, uh, I'm looking for a, uh, a dock for my computer, but I don't know what to get. Should I get a Thunderbolt four dock USB four USB three, something else. I understand that the letters mean different shapes, uh, for USB anyway, USB a versus USB C, but the numbering system still confuses me and whether all of the newer stuff is backwards compatible or not. Uh, I know OWC is a regular sponsor. Is there something you can point me towards that will work? Uh, something that was highlighted as a cool stuff found, perhaps. And so choosing a dock is a very, uh, it's a it's a unique process in that it, it will be the answer, the correct answer will be unique to you. Uh, based on what you have, what you want to plug into it, all of that good stuff. Thunderbolt 4 really is just Thunderbolt 3 with all of its features enabled, uh, as Larry O'Connor explained to us. And the one that Big Sur enabled is hubbing, what we call Thunderbolt hubbing, which means having more Thunderbolt ports uh, than just two on the dock. Normally, uh, in the past, Thunderbolt docks would have two ports, one from the computer and one as effectively a pass-through, if you will. Well, with Big Sur and devices that support what's commonly called Thunderbolt 4, we've now, ter- they've now, we, I take the, no credit for this. They've now turned on the feature to allow hubbing so you can have, you know, four or three or four ports and actually add Thunderbolt devices. So that's what Thunderbolt 4 is going, that's what a, do- a dock with the label of Thunderbolt 4 on it, that's what it's going to afford you. Now, it might be just extra Thunderbolt ports or it might be extra Thunderbolt ports along with things like Ethernet and, you know, USB and all those other things. So you have to decide what you need. And depending on on what devices you have connected, you might not even need Thunderbolt at all. You, a, a USB dock might be more than enough for you. Uh, I, you know, I do like the OWC stuff uh, and they they make great USB and Thunderbolt docks. I like CalDigit's docks. Uh, their TS3 Plus has long been a favorite of ours on this show. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, too. It's Thunderbolt 3 instead of Thunderbolt 4. But again, if you don't need the extra ports, that's fine, right? You know, from OWC, they've got they've got all kinds of different things. Their current device that they call the Thunderbolt dock is actually a Thunderbolt 4 dock that uh, that includes some extra more than just extra Thunderbolt ports. It's got USB. It's got sound. It's got. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the thing for the camera card, but what do we call that SD card slot? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it's got, you know, three USB ports on it. Um, in, a, in addition to all the, the Thunderbolt four ports and, and all that good stuff. So, it, you know, there's a lot of options here and then, um, we've liked the, the anchor, especially their new anchors, uh, seven, seven, seven dock is one that I I'm curious to check out and see how that fares. Because that's got all kinds of things in it. Um, I, I think that I'm pulling it up here just to make sure I have all the, the details right. But that that Anchor 777 is a Thunderbolt. They call it a Thunderbolt 4 dock. Uh, it's got 
I think it's got one extra Thunderbolt port on it. This is why I want to test it out. But, it, you know, you need to look at what you need compared to what each of these devices offers you. And uh, and then, you know, pick it there. And, 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 you know, I've mentioned Thunderbolt docks, but, you know, like OWC's USB travel, USB-C travel dock, that is a fantastic dock. And it, it's not just for travel anymore, right? It, it's a great dock that's got you know and, and you can get the the travel dock e i think they call it which is the one that has an ethernet port on it so you know it makes it even more um amenable more more compatible with things that you might have at your desk so yeah i you know there's there's all kinds of good stuff out there i don't know what do you think john what what docs have you checked out that that people should look at? um the one that I use the most um, is the Anchor 341 USB-C Hub 7-in-1. Okay. It has all the ports that I need. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's it. It's right. It has all the ports that you need. That's the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, HDMI, SD card, USB-C, another USB-C, um, and two USB-3. So... <clears throat> yeah yeah it's good oh wait no is that the one i no i have a different one aha so this one i could use no because the the yeah the one that i have i can't find it but it has an ethernet port too okay okay yeah and that's like what you have at your at your desk with your mac mini or something like that is mm-hmm. that right yeah it's great i like it yeah well uh, an experiment that i did it was uh it was kind of fun so um uh, my iPad Air has a USB-C port. Okay. And I plugged the dock in and then plugged it into, uh, and then plugged the Ethernet port into my um, uh, my switch. And all of a sudden, in system preferences, Ethernet appeared. I'm like, wow. Oh. So, so you yeah. can hook your iPad to Ethernet. Yeah. <laughs> Right. That makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and, like and it should work, right? Yeah. And it does. And you can plug audio devices into that. Like I've used, uh, you know, a, a multi input audio device and um, yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's crazy. All the stuff you can do. Um, I don't think we are ready to have you start ordering these yet, but uh, if you have been watching the video, I, I am beta testing something today, John, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's already seen a revision. But um, I have a shirt here that says mm-hmm. on the front, don't get caught. And on the back, I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Mm-hmm. But it has the, uh, the old Mac Geek Gab logo there on it. And we are, we are days away from being able to uh, let you order these. So... We are we're working through all the the mechanics of it, and I say beta testing. If you're watching the video, you'll see that the "Don't Get Caught" logo is a little low. It's a rookie mistake that uh, that is made with these sorts of things, and that's why we started testing these. So uh, we have fixed that on the production ones. They are higher on both the men's and women's shirts. It's a black shirt, and white lettering on the front says "Don't Get Caught." On the back, it has the Mac Geekab logo, and uh, and these will be available very very soon for all of you to order. Uh, we, as I mentioned, we will be revamping, 
well, everything as we move to MacGeekab.com and, and all of that. The premium program will continue to evolve. It will still exist. Uh, one thing with the premium program that's been, well, it, 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 from a meta level, you folks have taught us what the premium program should be over the years, and it has continued to evolve. In fact, you're the ones that taught us that we should have one in the, in, in the first place. So thank you for your feedback. And, and it really has been proven to us that what most of you want out of the premium program is to support the, the production of the show. And every time in the past that we had done gifts, one of the things that we added to the premium program early on was this thing where once you hit a certain level, you earn a gift and this, that, and the other thing. And every time we hit those levels and sent out the emails and said, hey, we want, you know, here's your gift. There were many, many, many of you who said, please don't spend the money that I sent you on the gift. There were also many of you that said, great, I want the gift. I want the the stuff, which is awesome. That's great. Um, So for this one, we've uh, we're we're using a company called Threadless to to sort of manage the merch store and, and manage all the fulfillment of it and all that stuff. And they will allow us to do coupons uh, on a per user or individualized coupons that we could send to each of you before we generate those. Let us know if you're a premium subscriber that has hit the threshold. And if you want a, uh, a, 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 a I don't know if we're like the, the we're still working it out. I'm not exactly sure what the coupon would be, but it would certainly be a discount. If not a uh, completely free shirt depends on how, how that goes and, and where it, where the pricing all comes in and all that good stuff. But um, let us know if you are interested in that part of the premium program continuing. Premium at MacGeekUp.com is, is, of course, your address to use for this and, and anything that you want to connect with us. We are going to be adding more things to premium, more avenues. That's all I want to say at this point because I want to make sure we get it right. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. So let us know it, because I – we don't want to go through the process of creating a bunch of coupon codes that no one wants to use. <laughs> so, but if you want one, let us know and we'll make sure you get one, all that stuff. Cause it is, you know, one of the things that we are currently offering. So we want to make sure we honor that for those of you that do. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. 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 That's what I got. So merch is coming. It's, it's here. It's super close. It might be ready by the time this episode comes out, like the store front might be, um, might be ready. So anyway, that's what I got. Thoughts on that, John? Anything? Somebody in the Hooray. Chat. Hooray. Yeah. Uh, Brian Monroe in the chat room says, uh, make sure you offer uh, merch up via YouTube. Yes, we will. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go nuts telling people about this for sure. For sure. All right. So hopefully by the next episode, in fact, definitely by the next episode, the store will be live and probably sooner than that. Uh, I just don't know where we're going to put it. So check the show notes at MacGeekUp.com. If the store is live, I will, I will make sure that link is in the show notes at this segment. So cool. All right, let's go to uh, fun stuff. Let's get evolution. Let's go to listener David here because uh, different David, same uh, concept in that we have a geek challenge. All right. Uh, listener David says, We are in the process of downsizing from a house to something. And we have bins and bins of old photos that my wife wants to just take to the dumpster. Me, on the other hand, wants to try and scan them all in before we dumpsterize them. Most are old black and white photos from our parents. Some are color. And we also have a lot from when we were stationed overseas together. 
I looked on Amazon. I don't. I, I added the together together. I don't know if they were together overseas. Sometimes I add things to the things to just you know make it flow. There you go. Uh, he says, I've looked on Amazon and the usual places and all that uh, seems to come up with flatbed scanners and four by six scanners. And nearly all of them are one hundred and fifty bucks or higher. I don't mind spending some money to preserve the photos and would rather not have to resort to taking a picture with my phone. But for that price, I'm probably going to end up taking a picture with my phone anyway. Before I throw in the towel, do you guys or the MGG community have any suggestions? So, yeah, we'll take this in a few different angles. Um, John, you have a, a picture, a photo scanner that you've used or have some knowledge of. Is that right? Yes. Um, so um, it's uh, I think the retail is two forty nine. So yeah. that's uh so you may not want to spend that. Sure. But it's really good. Uh, the Epson Perfection V600 photo. So it's specifically made uh, to do photos. And it comes with uh, little templates. So you can put your slides or your photos in it. And it comes with some software that'll fix things up too. Okay. So you may want to consider that. The nice thing about this is uh, when I was doing uh, R&D in an imaging group, um, this thing has resolution of 6,400 by 9,600, mm. which is pretty good. So I was um, taking advantage of that because, um, you know, at that resolution, you know, like I, I was looking for microprint on money and stuff like that. Sure. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. An interesting thing, though, um, a lot of scanners will refuse to scan currency. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. There's right. a there's a pattern on the bill that they look for. And if the scanner sees it, it'll just be like, nope. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Nobody wants their scanner to be used in a counterfeiting operation. Right. Um, another thought I have. Um, actually, someone asked this at a, on our local um, next door board. Um, it's like a you know community discussion group. Uh, and someone asked how to do this. Um Check your local camera store. Okay. Um, specifically, the one that was mentioned in my area was Milford Photo, which I've, I've been to when I was into photographs. So um, a camera store may have the accessories to scan your photos in for you. Okay. Um, I mean, you can also look online. I mean, just look for photo scanning services and, you know, a bunch will come up and uh, I haven't dealt with any of them, but that's a, that's another suggestion. There are services that'll do this for you. Just mail your photos in and they'll scan them and, you know, you get the digital. Yeah. Yeah. That's another way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I want to, I want to take this in, in David's inevitable uh, the, the direction he said is inevitable, which is doing this with his iPhone. Right. Because I know that that's possible. The trick is getting it right. Because if he's going to scan these and throw them away, he wants to make sure he has good, clean scans of these. And there's two things that come to mind for me that would need to be solved. One is the angle, right? If you're just off angle a little bit, the, the scan is going to be askew and the photo may or may not look right. Similarly, you need to worry about glare. Right. You want to have the photos well lit, but you don't want, you know, a big like light reflection happening on them. And most photos are on paper that's glossy enough to at least be impacted by that, if not completely you know, reflective of it. So I'm really curious. I know people out there have solved this problem. 
what apps are you using? What setup are you using to scan photos that gets you reliable results that you can replicate? Because, you know, obviously, if David's going to do this or if any of us are going to do this, we're going to be, you know, we want to get it set up and then just roll. Right. You know, here's the next picture. Here's the next picture. Here's the next picture. So some app that's going to be smart about, uh, you know, framing it and, and cropping out the, the extraneous stuff, but also some way of setting it up that works um, with, uh, you know, with with the, the the no glare and all that good stuff. So uh, there you go. Uh, yeah. All right. That's what I got. Yeah, I wonder if, hmm, yeah, I would, if, if I, um, if I had to do this, I think what I do is get some sort of bracket to mount the, uh, the iPhone. I'm sure somebody makes one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then maybe get, um, I actually have one of these, um, square jellyfish. (laughs) Okay. Odd name. Um, it's a Bluetooth remote for for your phone uh not found oh well all right well some kind of bluetooth remote sure your watch could do it yep yes yeah oh here it is square jellyfish okay oh oh the watch right 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 so yeah 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 i'm curious how this uh how this will go. I'm curious if anyone has had success doing this with their phone, uh, because I, I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, and Brian Monroe in the, in the chat room is, is saying that, you know, avoid these headaches, go with a service, let them do it for you. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's, I think there's a lot of benefits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now look at this. Okay. Um, so square jellyfish actually makes both mounts and remotes. So one-stop shopping if you want to do your own setup. There you go. Okay. All right. All right. Square jellyfish. Did you say squarejellyfish.com? Is that right? Um, yeah, looks like it. Cool. All right. We'll put them in the show notes. Great. 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 Uh, in a similar vein, and maybe, maybe listener Tony has a bit of insight that could apply here. Uh, sharing a tip, he says, uh, because we shop online and also at multiple physical stores, I wanted to be able to search for older receipts on my phone. Um, he says, I think the best way to do it is to scan everything into notes. I use a notes folder and a new note for every receipt. I scan because scanning is faster. It auto focuses, auto straightens. There's no shutter click required and it does long receipts. He's right about this, right? Like the the whole if you're doing a scan in uh, in the notes app or even in, you know, in the in the files app, it will do the auto shutter thing for you, which can be super handy. Uh, you know, we talked years ago about there was that I forget what it was called PDF scan, maybe that, that smile made. And but now like b- baked into the OS is this same functionality where. You know, it it auto straightens, it snaps the shutter when it sees the the new page or, you know, something in place. And so you can just keep going. And to your point, you know, you don't even have to worry about the thing from score jellyfish. So um, so, you know, maybe there's an option. So anyway, he's using this for receipts, but maybe there's an option for for people that want to do this with photos. Uh, he says I, that way, once I get it scanned in, I can manually search within notes. 
He says, I can't get to seem to get Siri to work by voice, but that's okay. So if I'm at the store and see something I usually buy online, I can check my receipts for what I have paid for it in the past. I like that. That's good. And he wrote up uh, a bunch of this on Medium. And so we will put a link to his Medium post in our show notes here so that uh, everybody can take advantage of this. Tony's Tech Corner. I like it. That's good, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun stuff. All right. Ah, oh, there's the sp- I knew there was going to be a space in this link that I pasted in. Okay. The space is fixed. Excellent. Thank you, Tony. Good stuff. Uh, one last question. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, keep of, going. Yeah. Speaking of scanning receipts, Dave. Yes, sir. Um, you want to save some money? Always. Um, I've been using this service, which uh, one part of it is it'll scan your receipts, but um, it also will give you money. So um, you search for an item, you know, like beer or whatever. And if they have any offers, uh, they'll come up and then you go, you shop, you get your, um, your receipt. This program scans in the receipt verifies the and also scans the barcode to make sure you're not lying about buying that item um and then once i have reach, i have a question uh, mm-hmm. what's the name of it i bought a i bought a i-b-o-t-t-a is that right correct yep uh-huh. that's cool all right so keep going i just want to make sure people knew what this was so yeah yeah and then when you reach 20 bucks um they'll transfer it to your uh paypal oh that's cool Huh? Oh, so you really do get cash back? That's right. Yeah, I've uh, I've accumulated, I think about four, almost five hundred bucks. Wow! And so you yeah. just scan the receipts of everything that you buy. Well, if if they have an offer, for yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, if they have an offer, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, that's cool. All right, I see. I like this stuff. You've mentioned that app before. I like it. That's good. Cool, cool. Um. Yeah. All right. Left one has a question that has come up a few different times and ways in the past couple of months. Understandably. So he uh, asked, can you revisit uh, the implications of upgrading my Synology disk station to DSM version seven? A while back, you mentioned several preparation steps to make sure Plex and perhaps some other applications would keep working. I filed your comments away as let them fix it all before I upgrade it. Now, perhaps the dust has settled and I should think about doing this. I'm a fairly light user, but I do rely on my disk station for Plex, Dropbox and OneDrop, OneDrive syncing and significantly sized photo collections in moments, which I understand will be deprecated and converted to Synology photos. Bottom line, is it a seamless upgrade or do I need to set an afternoon aside for fiddling around? So my short answer is yes, it is stable now and you're good to go. But please don't go and do that until you finish hearing the rest of my answer. Uh, You want to make sure 100% of your packages are up to date. Most of them can be done using Synology's package manager and just letting it check for updates. Plex is not most of them. Plex, for whatever reason, the package that often resides in Synology's uh, repository is old. And we've heard of people. Pilot Pete just ran into this back in December. So not that long ago, uh, going through, making sure everything's up to great, up to date in package center, and then still having a problem when upgrading. So go to Plex.tv, download the package for your Synology from there, or 
launch Plex and look inside Plex, it will tell you in the in the uh, if you go to the web interface, the admin interface for Plex itself, it will tell you if there's an update. Follow those links. You're going to download a package. You're going to manually install it. That's how the upgrades to Plex are done. Uh, so you go manually install that. Follow the instructions that appear on the screen. You will see a couple of warning messages come up and you, even though you know better, you are going to be so tempted to just click through them. Do not do that. It's okay to click through them, but you're going to miss instructions because there's a couple of things that need to happen with Plex and permissions before you upgrade to DSM seven. You can do all this on DM DSM six DSM seven adds some sandboxing uh, for all apps and Plex was one of those that needed to revamp the way they did things in order to work with the new sandboxing. Your life is much simpler if you migrate to the new way of doing things with DSM-6 when Plex still has permissions across your disk station. Once you upgrade to DSM-7, it does not have the permissions to easily migrate you and you have to do things manually. So make sure you get Plex up to date and that it's that you've done all the things it tells you to do. Uh the only other caveat I would have for Lefwin is that he is a heavy moments user and moments will be migrated to photos. Uh, you should be okay. I was, uh, and I did this on day one of DSM seven. I of course was burned by the whole Plex thing um, as Pete was recently, but you can, you can avoid being burned by that. I was not burned at all by the moments to photos upgrade. Uh, I did have to change the apps on my devices, of course, on my client devices like my phone, but, uh, but that migration was, was smooth. So do you need an afternoon set aside for fiddling about? No, but I also wouldn't do this when you need to leave the house in 12 minutes, right? I mean, it, it's going to, the upgrade is going to take probably even once you get all your apps and you're like ready to pull the trigger, it's going to take you, I mean, probably a half hour before the disc station is like back up and running and ready for you to log in. And then you're going to want to log in and make sure all of your things work, uh, including photos. But, you know, everything else, your, you know, your Synology drive syncing, your uh, cloud sync, which it sounds like you're using cloud sync's a great service uh, for those of you that, that don't know of that. It will let you sync things like your Dropbox or OneDrive and others with your disk station. So having your disk station act as a client. And then you can sync those there. Then you don't need to run the clients on all your client on all your Macs and iPhones and stuff because you can just get at it via Synology Drive. So it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, so hopefully that helps. John, have you upgraded your disk stations to DSM seven already? Yes, you did. And did it go smoothly for you? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> well, no. Uh, yes, except for one thing. Um, the certificate problem I told you about that DSM seven broke that I'm not convinced DSM seven broke that. I mean, what, from what we were talking about in previous episodes, you just, your ISP no longer allows they, you to yeah, they, update. They search. change the way they issue certificates or renew them. Mm -hmm. I don't think they did. I, I, I really don't. I mean, I've been doing certs on, on DSM for years with Let's Encrypt, and it, okay. it seems to be the same. All right. Uh, then, yeah, maybe my ISP changed something. Yeah, you, you need access thing... port 80 and, port, and or port 443 is the key to, to, to Let's Encrypt self-updating its, its, its certs. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, so they pulled a fast one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, th- the other weird thing is that, uh, so I use their DDNS okay. um, to do this. If I look in the, and, and the name of the cert is that address, you know, whatever.synology.me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, ah, if I go to the DDNS section of their setup, yeah, it shows that it's not working. Interesting. So you, you're going to like control panel, uh, 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 what's it called? External access DDNS, and it mm-hmm. says that you're not able to uh, connect. Yeah, it to shows the, it shows the name, but it says disabled or, or or whatever, and it's like interesting. No, it's not because if I try to get to it from the outside. I can get to it like my VPN. I'm able to get to that using the DDNS name, but according to the Synology, so maybe I have to remap that and then it'll work. Yeah. It sounds like your Synology is not able to talk to the outside world Mm -hmm. at all. I mean, because your IP address probably hasn't changed since the last time your dissertation up, right. Updated this. Mm -hmm. And so, it, like the you can get the, the the DDNS address maps correctly, but only because of a past update. If your Synology doesn't think that it has updated, then it has not. Right. So this sounds like your Synology doesn't talk to the outside world. I mean, it can't talk for Let's Encrypt. It can't talk for DDNS. I'm wondering, mm-hmm. can it do package updates? Like, oh, are, yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you oh, doing yeah, it's, something it's, weird with with like. Like DNS or you're networking on it or, or do you have a firewall nope. installed? that's like maybe nope. overly secure. Cause that, that sounds like you're having trouble talking to the outside. It sounds like your Synology is having trouble with its own DNS. So I would go into, uh, what's it going to be? It's going to be control panel network and look at the interface, edit that network interface and I would look at like IPv4 and see, are you, are you setting it manually? Is the DNS server correct? Like, is there something about it where it's not able to get to the outside world? Cause that's certainly what it sounds like. Hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, um, ping me, you don't have to say it in the show cause we don't want to give this out to everybody, but ping me your address of your, your uh-huh. Synology address. And I'll see if I can get to your disk station. Mm-hmm. And that way, I mean, that, that'll test to see if your, if your disk station, I mean, I assume it's still connected to Ethernet and all that. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's, that's that interesting. about connectivity? Uh. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like there's a, there's a, a network issue there. Do you have, like, manually, conf- maybe go in to control panel network general and manually configure your DNS server to be not like your Eros. Make it 1.1.1.1 or something and see if that lets it get to the outside world. Because maybe your Eero is blocking this for some reason. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Fun. Oh, yeah. and speaking of Synology tips. Yes, sir. So um, I solved... A problem for our buddy Duffy. Okay. 
So he uh, he has a Sonos, yep. and his music is on his Synology. Mm-hmm. Um, but he couldn't play it. And here was the weird thing. Um, so you know they have the Synology Assistant that will... Because um, I'm like, well, you know, let me get to the admin interface to see if I can figure out what's wrong. Yeah. Um, the Synology Assistant couldn't find it. Okay. It, it didn't have an IP address. It only had a local address. You know, DS21J, whatever sure, yeah. it is. Right, right, right. But that didn't work for mapping his music. Right. Um, so how do you get the IP address back? Um, here's the secret. I was actually thrilled that I figured out a Sonos issue, not being a Sonos person. Um, reset the Synology. There's a reset button somewhere, probably on the back. And if you hold it in for four seconds, it resets the network interface. And once we did that, Synology assistant found it. And I'm like, okay, there's your IP address. And then I also use that IP address to map his uh, music folder. Interesting. Huh. I've always done it by just unplugging the Ethernet cable and replugging it, mm-hmm. which also has reset the interface for me when I've seen that issue. Uh, okay. But that's interesting. So you hold the reset button for four seconds? Yeah. And then you hear it, it'll beep. Okay. Okay. You stop holding it. Yeah. Cause I think if you hold it for 10, it'll like start like maybe a factory, factory. reset. Yeah, yeah. You don't want that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I've I've actually gotten to a state where I had to do this because I was trying to set up some fancy Ethernet bonding. Yeah, and I managed to uh, disable the network interface. Yes, <laughs> like oops. Yeah, that bonding. I, I I have it configured on mine, but I've seen it where it it gets wonky sometimes. Mm. So, yeah, interesting. All right, nice finds. That's good. Um. We have a couple of follow-ups from prior episodes that I think will wrap us up for today. You want to take us to George and or Jorge? I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. Yes. Sir? Um, Just listening to the 1220 episode and have a possible solution for the Apple Mail search not finding emails. Oh, yeah. This has started with Big Sur and continues Monterey. The permanent fix I found is to customize the mail toolbar by removing the search and clicking Done. Quit mail, then reopen mail. Customize the mail toolbar and re-add search to the toolbar. Click done and try searching again. Secondly, the search options changed a little in Big Sur and Monterey, so be sure to select the mailboxes you want to search in. Okay. Interesting. I, I, I I am willing to try anything at this point. Let me put it that way. I wonder if this solution is... Also temporary, like most of the rest of the ones that we've seen to this issue for this issue. And because if I'm having this issue with mail and I do, uh, there was uh, the the one that we mentioned back in 906 was somebody said to hold down uh, shift key while launching mail to like flush some other things out. OK, great. This one, you know, in, involves, you know, remove the, the search thing, restart mail, re-add the search thing. My solution to this has just been to quit and restart relaunch mail and it works fine. So I'm wondering if Jorge's solution is any different than that because it involves quit and relaunch mail, right? Which generally solves this issue for me. Uh, I would love a permanent fix to this, but even the hold down the shift key while launching mail has not resulted in anything of the sort, unfortunately. So 
I don't know. Have you experienced this, John? The, the mail won't search or do you not rely on mail search as much as perhaps the rest of us? Um, yeah, I've had, it, I hate when they change the way it works. Huh. Well, yeah, I mean, they, 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 they changed. Um, I mean, they didn't change much about this. They just changed clearly something under the hood that, Mm-hmm. that with the way mail and spotlight work with each other, it just like, it just won't what I, I, the problems I have in mail are, are multiple uh, are many. And one of them is this, where I go to do a search and I won't see like nothing on the results page changes. It's just, if I'm in the inbox and I go to search, the, the inbox just remains right. It doesn't show me anything. And that's when I know, okay, this is never going to work. I need to quit relaunch and then it works fine. The other thing that I see is if I'm in a mailbox going through triaging mail and I, you know, tell a message to archive or I tell a message to delete or whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't change. Well, that's not fair. It doesn't leave the mailbox, but it does change. It goes to a much lighter gray. It like grays out that message. Like it's, it's doing something, but it hasn't finished it yet. And again, if I quit and relaunch mail, all of those will have then gone to their uh, their appropriate destinations and will have left whatever mailbox I'm in, which is usually the inbox, but of course not always. So I said there were many, maybe there were just two, my, my issues with, with mail, but it, it seems like a similar thing. Like the display doesn't want to fully update with what I'm telling it to do. And I'm not, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I wish there was an answer, but there ain't, there isn't. I don't know how many times I've said ain't on this show and, how many years? But uh, probably that not many. A word. Yeah, probably not many. Probably not many. All right. Uh, you want to take us to uh, the follow-up from, well, from both Donna and from you, since it was research you were both doing on behalf yes. of us from last um, episode. So Donna followed up and said, hi, John, you were correct about the 3% at T-Mobile. I so we're talking, well, hang on, hang on. Let me paint the picture. We're talking uh, about the Apple card. And the discounts that you can get on various vendors. Uh, we were doing that in the last episode and now, yes. So carry on, my friend. Yeah. So the uh, standard cashback that you get is 3% if you buy Apple stuff, 2% if you use Apple Pay, and 1% for everything else. Okay. But they have a lot of special offers now. Um, and here are the special offers is that there are other... Um, there are a number of ways to get 3% cash back. And so, yeah, she, uh, she confirmed that she pays her T-Mobile bill with the Apple card and she gets the nice. 3% cash back. Um, the others are Panera Bread, Nike, Uber, Walgreens, and ExxonMobil. Nice. Oh, that's great. That's amazing. Uh, I like it. Fun, fun. Cool. Yeah. I got to yeah. use my Apple card more. Because three percent good cash back. Yeah, three percent cash back is is good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I I default to my my Bonvoy, right? It's Bonvoy now. It was my Starwood Amex, uh, but now that Marriott merged with them and and it's the Bonvoy Amex, and that works out really well. I I earn hotel points without even thinking about it, and you know can basically stay at a hotel for free if I want. But I wind up staying at Airbnbs a bunch, and so. I I should probably be smarter about this. The nice part is I can also transfer those Bonvoy points over to 
airline points and it usually get 25,000 airline points for every 20,000 Bonvoy points I transfer. So that can be handy, but the cash back is not a bad thing to have. And so I gotta, I gotta be more, I gotta be smarter about this. Yeah. 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 It's good. Yeah. The best cash back I get though, my favorite, though, this is the only card I pay for is American express. Perf- uh, You'll put a link in the show notes for us. Yeah. You're going to look it up. John, you're late. What are you doing? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> keep, keep talking. We are an audio show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, they offer a uh, 6% on groceries. Which oh, is good. okay. All right. That's a lot. Yeah. 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 Good. 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 Well, we'll put links to all these things in the show notes. John will find a link to his, uh, to his Amex 6% card. And we'll, uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes too. Folks. Thanks for listening. It's been fun. I think where's the, uh, how come I'm not hearing what we should be hearing music. Oh, I see why we're not hearing music. The interface doesn't want to play nice. There's the music. (sighs) It's been a number of weeks since the interface has decided not to respond. And yet, there's always problems to solve, which is good, because that means we'll be here next week for Mac Geekup 911. That's what we do. That's why we do it. It's good stuff. John's lost in a world of Googling and something, so... Everything okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this is part of what the part of you I love, even though it's frustrating sometimes when when you just disappear. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Anything anywhere you'd like to send them, Mister Braun, or are you too busy on finding links? Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I love it. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com is where you want to go, where you want to send things to. Premium at MacGeekGab.com if you're a premium listener. And please do let us know if uh, if you are one of the ones that would like a uh, your earned coupon on a T-shirt. We are putting all that together uh, as we as we move forward here. Lots of stuff in the air, as you might imagine. So trying to sort it all out. Fun stuff. Yeah. All right, that's what we got. We'll uh, we'll have we'll have links to where the merch is and all that good stuff. It'll it'll be one of the places it will be is slash merch but I, I it, that doesn't currently exist. I'm I'm just saying that because I don't know where to send it. But as soon as I do, that's where I'm going to send it. So there you go. That's what we got. Make sure to check out our sponsors. You can go to slash sponsors to do that and see all of our sponsors, current and past, that still have deals. And then, of course, current deals from this episode are the code MGGQ1 at MacUpdater at corecode.io slash MGG, truebill.com slash MGG, and, of course, barebones.com. We'll get BBN at 14. Go do that. Get your 30-day trial. Have fun. Stay safe. Enjoy your day. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. And don't get caught. Made up. See you next week.